I need to share some with you guys. Uh-huh. Uh, especially inspired by your uh, current Twitter avatar, Dom. Uh, I saw a pretty crazy thing last night. Uh, did you know they made a Gumby movie in the 90s? I, uh, yeah, I feel like I know that. I feel like um, there were like toys or like something at um, like McDonald's, right? Maybe. I don't know. I had no knowledge of it. I, I watched Gumby growing up, but I watched the original like old like 50s or 60s or whatever, you know, shorts they were. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't know that they made a movie in 95. Um it's batshit crazy. It's oh well, the Gumby universe is is very no, very weird. No, but like Dom, this is di- this is different. All right, I'm talking about for a world of Gumby where the three the four main characters are Gumby, Pokey, Prickle the angry dinosaur, and Goo who could just also fly and shoot blue orbs. Like she's like uh-huh. a plane yeah. for no reason. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, Prickle uh, is maybe more of an annoyed dinosaur. Yeah, I feel like Prickle always needed a power. He just seems like a grump. He just seems like an old dinosaur. I like him though. Uh, Prickle, I, I also really like Prickle. Prickle yeah. was also my favorite for some reason. I don't know if it's because he's I like his attitude or what. <laughs> but the Gumby movie, uh, it's an hour and a half film. Yep. made in '95 with the original like cast and crew. So mm-hmm. Art Clokey, the creator, was probably we were doing the math like. 75 when he made this when he wrote directed and made this movie something around yeah, I'm there looking, i'm so, looking at his wikipedia 70 uh-huh. 75 uh it's nut bar it is essentially gumby uh if you guys don't know who gumby is i'm sorry i'm sorry you missed out on that part of your life you have to I, know you have to get to know now well yeah you, you can have YouTube to know. him if you want to he's, he's a clay he's a claymation boy and he has a little dinosaur friend and they go into books which i always thought was a cool idea but but this movie is uh, it starts with space and an alien is watching the TV. So we're already doing the men in black thing. where like an alien overlord is like aware of the universe. We're about to watch, right? Which is where men in black got it. From. Yes. We're a totally, I know Barry Sonnenfeld totally stole it from this. Oh and, really? And, and then it cuts to space <laughs> where a giant ominous floating block splits into two colors, green and red, and they fly to earth so and it's Gumby and Pokey. So they're implying that Gumby and Pokey are from space. Mm-hmm. That's like their that's like their origin, right? What? But then everyone on everyone in the book like on the bookshelf world that they live in, they just live on like a library, right? Like they just live in some place with books. They know who Gumby is already, so it's just like that was weird. That was a weird thing to do. <laughs> the the main plot of this movie is that Gumby's in a band with characters that aren't Pokey. Brickle or uh, yeah, Pokey, uh, yeah, Prickle, Pokey, and Goo, just three other dudes. Mm-hmm. They're in a cool rock band, and they have a dog that like is a real, their mascot, a real dog too. It's a like, real, like it's a, like a real looking dog, and the uh, the named Low Belly, I guess, because he's a tiny short dog, was actually a funny name. <laughs> Low Belly, when he's moved emotionally, cries pearls. Dude, what? That what? guy's a fucking moneymaker. The they'll, play, they'll play music, and then the dog will be so moved by the music. It's not supposed to be a joke that it's like the bad. It's like this dog loves this music. Yeah. The dog cries pearls over and over, and the blockheads are like, let's steal this dog. They have a closed loop there. They can make infinite money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well, self-sustaining you band. You guys have to play music for a living you can just play music for your dog who cries pearls they seem to not care that low belly cried pearls they're like oh whatever that's just low belly he's silly so those old blockheads those evil blockheads always cause trouble for gumby are like let's steal low belly 
And then they do immediately. But the movie is about... I'm sorry to explain all that. The movie is them kidnapping each member of Gumby's friends one by one and replacing them with robots for no reason. But the... Like... Why do, all right. <laughs> it's nut bar and not to be mean to Art Clokey, the creator of Gumby. I think he was like partial dementia when he made this film. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm looking at screenshots and yeah, uh, Gumby fights a robot Gumby with a lightsaber. Oh, yeah, they go into a science book and we're like, please don't be Star Wars. And then they just pull out lightsabers and fight. It's insane. This I, is I, crazy. Yeah, because the original Gumby was like whimsical. Yeah. Why didn't the blockheads just steal the low, low belly and just just make their band and then have well, them make <laughs> pearls for them? That's all they, they do that. They, they steal low belly and they're like, OK, we'll make a robot dog of low belly so they don't know he's gone. Uh-huh, which is really brilliant. weird that they're like, we're worried that Gumby's family will not know where he is. We don't want to mm-hmm. have a manhunt out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, low belly won't cry to the music so let's kidnap the band and replace them with robots and have them play the music oh i see so they replaced to the world they replaced the band with robots because they needed the band's shredding abilities and rock abilities to make him cry only only the band adding it's just adding more problems for the blockheads when you're like it's up we were just (laughs) joking at some point i was watching with a friend of the show holly conrad that like Uh uh-huh they need to just realize, oh, we've replaced the whole town with robots. We own this town. We don't need pearls. Right, right. We already own and have enslaved everyone. Yeah, I mean, what do you, you don't need pearls if you can just create an army of robots to do your bidding. Well, I'm, I, I'm more upset that Gumby didn't have his friends playing his band that, with him. No, he just dude, got, yes. like, new guys. It was exactly my thought was it was very it's strange weird. that they... T- like, who's who's this guy that looks like Gumby? Yeah, there's, there's three <laughs> other Gumby dudes. One of them has, like, Rick Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty hair for no reason. You're like, yeah, yeah he, he kind of... Have- he looks like Mike Wachowski, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one does look like Wachowski. Uh, Look at yeah, the whole time we're like, why don't just have the all the friends be in the band? Because the whole time Prickle and Goo are just like listening to it, and this is pretty good. And then a super Jewish stereotype shows up, like there's human beings for some uh-huh. reason. He's like, oh, I oh I see him. Su- I'm super Jewish. I'm a record oh producer, Gumby. You're going to make millions. I'm like, but you're in a book right now, so none of this is real. I'm very confused. Uh, what uh, what does the songs that they play sound like, Chad? Could you just? Um, could you I just... guarantee you, it is. Um, go to your iTunes uh, public domain music library and click on the uh-huh. first thing that says rock music. It's just there's no vocals. Mm. It's just like generic just like rock a, guitar. Okay, so, so it's there just like isn't a, like any kind of like emotional song that makes the dog cry. It's just their music. It seems like it's their music, but you just wa- a lot of it's just over and over watching some sort of like. H.R. Giger horror of like a dog crying pearls over and over and like lying in a pile of its own pearls. This is bizarre. Yeah, I there's also a lot of like um, if you ever want to see a movie written by a grandpa, it's really interesting. Like I love again, I love the old original Gumby. I thought it was very, very charming. Yeah. But like all the jokes are just like written by my dad. They're very much like they'll go to the diner and like Prickle will have a milkshake spilled on. I was like, boy, this diner's like a zoo. 
And that'll be the joke. It'll That's be like the joke? You, that'll be like the joke. Or they'll be like driving a car really fast and so they're like, oh, you're driving like there's a sale to get to. I'm like, what are these <laughs> euphemisms that an old man would say? It's they're really, not even jokes. They're just, they're just, he, the guy's just exacerbated, exacerbated <laughs> yeah, about the world. There's a lot of like complaining about oh, kids. Oh, the world is crazy. <laughs> these young upstart kids. Oh, I'm scared of minorities, Gumby says at one point. It's just like, whoa! (laughs) Chad, what you don't know about the world of clay is that it's relatively peaceful. So when a drink gets spilled, it's like, whoa, what's the Uh, commotion? (laughs) I I don't know. I just, I like to think that, um, it's it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing. I also didn't realize that like the entire family of there's a family of cloakies, right? Like our cloakie created it and uh-huh. he got married and like just you know, uh passed it down to his kids. I think his family just makes it. Like I think it's just owned by this family that still own Gumby. And yeah, this well, is it's their like, legacy. I think, I, I think like Cloakie was the creative behind it, but I think it was like a hippie commune that like born Gumby. Wait, like, it really? Was, like, oh, really? They, yeah, it was like a bunch of different hippie artists who worked on it, kind of like uh, how Henson. Uh, H- Henson and like H.R. Puffin stuff and stuff like that. Just like different children's projects from that time. Um, Where you just get like a bunch uh, of multimedia artists together. Yeah, and they all did different things. It's funny, watching the old Gumby shorts is uh, really entertaining because they're dark and bizarre and so strange. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe enter- more entertaining than the film, it sounds like. But it sounds like the film is a real trip. It's it's uh, definitely an experience to skip around. And you can also just jump to any point in the movie because at any time a character is saying exactly what's happening. We got to okay. go get to the truck because they have Gumby in there. Like, you're like, OK, I know what's going on. Cool. I got it. I remember that would come on HBO, the Gumby movie, and we would watch the Gumby shorts, me and my brothers. But I did not like the Gumby movie. Like, it, it would come on and be like, this isn't Gumby. Who are these guys? <laughs> I remember watching it when so I was a kid. Have, you already have experience with this this strange thing. I I just knew that he played a guitar in it, and I wasn't I wasn't interested in it. It feels um, very much like '90s. Okay, we got to make this hip for the kids. What's cool? Rock and roll music, right? Uh, there's a they they do continue to make new Gumby stuff though, because I I went to the Gumby website after watching some of the shorts recently. Do they really? And. Yeah, and and they they published a, a children's book called Gumby and Pokey Go to the Sun, and <laughs> I couldn't and help but think that they don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're owned by DreamWorks right now, Chad. Oh my god, I should know this. You're totally right. Yeah, Chad, I should know this. As someone who worked at DreamWorks, you're right. I totally you saw dropped the thing. ball, man. Shit. You could have pitched. You oh, could have pitched. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. Well, here's the New weird Gumby. thing. I wonder if DreamWorks then also owns, because Cloakie Productions made Davy and Goliath, like that super Christian Lutheran yeah. show. Uh-huh. I wonder if DreamWorks secretly owns that. They could do a lot of stuff with, like, a Gumby. They could, oh, my God. They could do the Cloakie universe, because everyone loves universes now. You could do, like, Dude. Gumby meets Davy and Goliath, and that's it. That's the end of the universe. Oh, the Gumby cinematic universe. Hold on, though. Like, you could legit probably get some old investor man to be like, we're going to do the Play-Doh movie. And like, I love it. Play-Doh. And then you go talk to the heads of Play-Doh, which I imagine are just 90 at this point. Like, uh-huh. who are made of Play-Doh. Uh-huh. Who are just too big Play-Doh, Play-Doh people. No, they're, they're alive, but they've just been slowly replacing their bodies with Play-Doh more and more over the years. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're made of yeah, they're Play-Doh golems. 
they're characters from Brazil. Like they're just yeah. like slowly <laughs> becoming more and more Plato like. And their skin, ain't, their skin isn't as good anymore. So it's they just put Plato, flesh colored Plato, on their arms. Oh yeah, and then when you sign <laughs> a contract with them, they they press their face down on it to make a copy of it, even though that's what Silly Putty is. But I bet you could do that with Plato. They're like, cool, oh, totally. strange, strange. Yeah, we're checking out, guys. We're they checking out. Uh, they can't go to the into the sun because they'll turn into rock hard play doh. <laughs> they fear the light. They're basically that's like a Doctor Who episode now. <laughs> hey, uh, it's funny you bring up some some clay people because I saw some effects in the episode, the Goosebumps episode of Attack of the Mutant. Oh uh, man, what a segue! That resembled some clay kind uh-huh. of stuff. I don't know. It, it, it seemed that way. No, I'll, take that, I'll take that segue. I'll pick Aww. up what you're, what you're throwing down. <laughs> let's let's That's hop a, into this segue. Let's get in. <laughs> let's take it for the ride. Hey guys, welcome to Goosebuds. Welcome. Welcome hello. to Goosebuds. Uh, hello. Uh, if you are somehow joining us for the first time and you just listened to 15 minutes of, of Gumby talk, Gumby talk. Uh, we usually G-talk, don't talk G-talk. about Gumby. G-Talk, which is our other podcast that's coming <laughs> soon. <laughs> uh you know, I actually, think it would be is I think we'd be like we would call it prickle talk. Like we'd want to go for like an inside reference for the Gumby uh-huh, fans. Yeah, the way like the Muppet inside web message boards all call themselves like pigs in space and stuff. You're like, okay, uh-huh. I, I see what you guys are doing. Um, hi, yeah, we talk about Goosebump books. I'm Chad, and uh, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Paul. I'm Art Cloakley, the creator of Gumby <laughs> Reborn. <laughs> uh, uh, you could tell the, yourself it, you're the son of Art Cloakley, and I'd probably believe I, it. I am I am Dom though in all seriousness, and uh, yeah, we're talking about Attack of the Mutant. Um, but so it's, uh, yeah, go ahead, Paul. I was gonna say so, Chet or Dom. It sounds like you watched the show, right? I did. I didn't have time to read the That's book this fine. time around. I, 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 started, I started a new. I did both a new so. tube. Ooh, and I just did just the book. So we cover all person. We cover all permutations of book. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, Chet or, or Dom. What were you just saying? You started what? Oh, I started a new job. I just didn't have time to read this week. I've been busy. Oh, yeah. Congrats drawing. on your new job, Dom. Do you want to, is there anything you can share about that? And you want to speak mysteriously of it? What's your, what's your, what's your call? <laughs> uh, I am employed by a dark investor. <laughs> 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 uh, I started, uh, I started at Cartoon Network, uh, working in a new department, but I, I don't think there's really much I can say about it, because there's there's not anything official, so. They're planting chips in kids' skins. That's the department. They're going to take over kids' <laughs> minds. We're luring children into a um, building and then scanning their <laughs> bodies and uh, putting them in comic books. I think it'd be pretty great. Uh, yeah, okay, so uh, the comic book thing in this. So, let's just, I, this this settles it. This one settles it, guys. Okay. R.L. Stein likes comic books for real. Do you, oh, oh, we do think so. Okay, I wasn't one hundred percent, one hundred percent, because he actually talks about real comic books for once. He does, and then he doesn't. It's very strange. It's weird. He he like name drops a couple real ones, and then he goes back to like making up his own stuff. Yeah. So if you guys have never seen uh, our other episodes, we do cover that uh, R.L. will sometimes like name drop like X Force. And we thought but he might, then, might just be making up a fake name for the X Men and not knowing that he was saying a real thing. Yeah, and then he'll but then he'll make up another book cover that's just like called like Goo Dudes, and like that's yeah. not even close to a superhero name. I don't know what you're thinking, so I don't know. Is it a I, is it like a copyright thing where if you mention it too many times, I have no well, idea. You guys are saying that now you do know. 
that he does know comics, right? Because he name drops comics in this. I say, still don't know, book. though. You guys both read the book, though, right? <sighs> yeah, he says Jack Kirby in it. There you go. Okay. He says he talks yeah, about Jack right. Kirby, and he's he straight up is like, "This is these are real comics right here." Okay, I'm talking Un- about them. Unless, unless uh-huh. this is a, is a ghost written book. Okay, just throw right. it out there. Just throw it out right. there. If there's any inconsistencies on the other books in this one, just throwing it out there is possible. I think he but wrote this one. I think, think this he wrote is this a, one. I think this is a legit R.L. Steiner. This is a this is a weird one. I remembered it a lot as a kid. If you'd ask me like what's your favorite Goosebump books, I would go Attack of the Mutant, but then like it's not good, but I remember it. It has a cool cover cuz it's got a cool superhero on it. Yeah, it's got uh, like I a like Magneto type man coming at yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I remember liking this cover because the frame was orange and not too many of the Goosebumps books were mm. orange and that was my favorite color when I was a child. So, this and uh why I'm Afraid of Bees were both orange. If Why I remember right, uh, uh-huh. they pretty much completely recreate also the, the like the cover in the TV show, Dom. Like, they go to the atta- the mutants, like, lair. And if I remember right, it looks exactly like the cover art did. Like, they actually recreate oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they did recreate it pretty well. Um, there is a really funny moment, though, where... Uh, kids are on the bus i won't get too into it because we'll we'll do this linear uh we'll do this in a a chronological uh uh gosh sorry we'll do this this in order of issue right yeah right we'll do this in order of issue we'll do this chronologically but uh there's a moment where two kids are arguing over which comic books are better uh and uh our hero goes oh these uh mass mutant comics are the best look at the artwork and there's clearly like either a high school student or like a rushed mock-up of like what the what the set would look like uh-huh. and it's oh. not finished at all it's not detailed it's <laughs> like totally blobs did. of bait it's really it's really hilarious like they just show their show. production sketch of the set as if that's part yeah. of the comic book yeah, they're just like they're just like look at this artwork. It's incredible, but it's like not rendered at all. Yeah, they just huh. need, they needed they just needed some artwork to throw in there. Yeah, but it, anyway, let's talk about this boy. What is his name again? Skipper. Skipper. Which is Skipper. like, do they ever say his real name? I know it's like it's supposed to be a nickname, but like I think it's just uh, Skipper. I think in the book they give you his real name. It's like Bradley or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, I immediately forgot it. It, it. I think his name is Ski Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> from the law that's such a more fun name i wish that was what it was ski pepper skipper for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh so skipper is like just a, a little 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 chubby dork and yep. he loves reading comic books and there's like there are some weird like insightful slams on comic book readers you are right about that paul like there are yep He's a, he's a legit comic book creator. I don't know if if, if Arlstein was that forward thinking, but there's a lot of like, I'm investing and I'm collecting and saving for college with my comic books. Uh-huh. I have n- number zero, and they're like, okay, does Arlstein know that that's all bullshit? Like, does he re- is that what he's doing? Is he slamming them on their investment? Because per- at some point, I think like, he is. I think. Well, it's also 1994, so it's like the height of like the bullshit era of comic yeah, collecting, where people where yeah. everybody was collecting. Was that like right after Death of Superman? Where everyone was like, "You gotta buy it. You gotta yeah. own it." And yeah, yeah, variant covers and such. Yes, I I think that's funny. Is that'll probably never be a thing. Like after you know whatever the seventies, I think everyone who reads comics just collects them, like keeps them in good condition now, or like yeah. so many of them that you'll never have like 
oh, this is the origin of, of Miles Morales. There's only 50,000 copies in existence. Like, you'll be fine. Right. Well, I think we've talked about this before. Like, the collecting thing only works if people don't value it when it's yes. being collected. When it, like, you know, like, because you have to have it just be destroyed. It has to be something that people don't value so that only certain, a couple people keep it in good shape, you know? Well, the, and the only way that happens today is when a new series launches and people aren't aware of uh, the talent behind it or uh, what it will be doing. Right. And so distributors don't order a lot, so they don't make a lot of them. And then it gets adapted into a TV show or a movie, and it's a hit. Case in point, Walking Dead issue number one is pretty uh, expensive comic in recent years. That would make, that would make sense, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like the main Marvel DC ones, unless it's like a small offshoot, like maybe the first issue of Runaways... Right. Might be worth no, something no, now. Run, Runaways is not worth anything. What? I checked because no, I have it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be worth ten dollars, and you can turn it, trade it in. But like, Skipper, doesn't anybody like Brian K. Vaughn? I love him. He's my favorite. <laughs> uh, That's what I said when I saw that it was worth nothing. I was like, "Come on, guys!" What you need to do is you need to systematically like find all the fans of that comic book and then befriend them and then rip up their comic and then assassinate them. I mean, yeah, yes. like rip the Highlander or Jet Li's the one. You need to hunt down every version and slowly right. eliminate them. Yeah, and right. if you do it with a sword. You may be adapted into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not the worst comic book idea. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there. No, that just could super be like fan, the yeah, comic that, killer. Yeah, that could be like a like a cool like meta movie down the line. Yeah, and you say that like you think is if he kills the last up he gets like one issue left, it'll become real or something. I don't know. We're just spitballing an idea. Marvel, give us a call. <laughs> if you're listening, maybe it, let us write a Runaways movie. Oh, God, I want to. Give us a whirl. Give it a whirl. Uh, <laughs> give, us, give us three a whirl. Give us a whirl. <laughs> Speaking Whatever of investment, that means. I, yeah, yeah. I want to point out that uh, one of the kids that Skipper's talking to, I forget his name, does mention he's like, oh, yeah, what even are like number zero issues? What is that? Is that even a thing? Which is like a good old slam on comic books. Uh-huh. Then he mentions that like he collects stamps and ink. Uh-huh. And that's supposed to be like a joke. Like, he's a dumb idiot. But honestly... The whole time I was like, he's the smart kid because, like, ink is really valuable. Like, at some point we're going to run out of ink, so you might as well, like, hoard all that up. And you'll <laughs> right. be, you'll run textiles and print and you'll be totally cool. So the best, one of the best changes that makes zero sense, that, that whole character, Walter, his friend, I don't even know why he's in any of the stories. <laughs> why does he exist? <laughs> There's no point for him. He's just there so that, so that Skipper has someone to talk to. And say his thoughts out loud, even though it's mostly his inner monologue anyway. But in the show, uh, Walter collects rocks instead. Um, what? Why? Uh, <laughs> my, okay, so uh, the the thing about the show versus the book, um, well, the, the show do, is a two-parter, and I think it's because they put a lot of money into it, and they got Adam West to be in it. I'm sorry, uh, what? I didn't yeah, watch yeah. an episode with Adam West? Adam West uh, is in it. This is one of the more bizarre episodes of Goosebumps that I've watched. It really, it really is. And, like, I think they spent a lot of money on this episode, not just with Adam West, but also, like, set design and, like, art direction. There's, like, a lot of, like, really crazy sets, right, Dom? Like, and effects. Yeah. And effects, yeah, and effects. Uh, but, like, 
this kid Walter's in it and like he's got the rocks and like I was reading the book after watching the episode and I was like why is it stamps in the book and rocks and I was like maybe like they just were supposed to get stamps and the, one of the prop people forgot to get stamps and they were like fuck uh, he collects rocks now and they just went and grabbed a bunch of rocks <laughs> we got uh, rocks geez, it's gonna be uh, maybe $14 to buy all these stamps uh, they collect rocks <laughs> do you know how much Those stamps are free. they're on the ground they're like 15 cents right now please tell me Adam West plays the mutant by the way he plays the Galloping Gazelle. Oh, awesome. Great. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it actually works really well with the story. Um, it, it is so bizarre, though. But go on, super, Paul. It's super bizarre. But Walter, in the book, doesn't have this line. But in the show, I, I, I don't remember the exact line. But he, like, he's just explaining why he collects rocks. And he has this, like, real, like, everyman <laughs> description of it. And he's like, because, like, like Skipper's having all these issues with his comic books. They're causing him all this grief. And Walter's just like, well, I just collect rocks because they don't do anything weird. And they just sometimes look like cool things. Like this one looks like a duck. And that's, that's all, like, his... really sad. But, it, but I kind of like Walter's simple life. I think he's, I think he's a nice boy and he has a good simple yeah, life. I, when, when I meet people like that in real life, I go, I wish I could just be, be, and li- be, and be like the ending be of the book and, and, and get enjoyment from rocks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's also a about great everything one, else. There's a great one to one scene trans translation. There's a couple scenes that they took directly from the show and the book, and this has nothing to do with the plot of the show. Again, it's just a real non sequitur scene. There, I don't know why they decided to adapt this one directly, word for word. But they're <laughs> eating lunch. Walter and Skipper are eating lunch, and Walter goes, "Hey, Skipper, what's your sandwich?" And Skipper's like, "Tuna," and and Walter's like, "Me too. Want to trade?" And Skipper goes, "Why?" And then Walter goes, I don't know. And they just do it. And then that's just a point, like a, a 30 second <laughs> sequence of dialogue. And it's in both. It's, yeah. it's important to the character that they exchange foods as a symbol of their friendship. Yes. Did you guys ever trade lunch at lunch? No. That uh, was like not maybe like a pre-packed thing. Maybe yeah. like a bag like of Doritos for like Fritos or, or, or something. Oh, did I yeah. ever confess this? I, I, um... God, I was so fat. I I really <laughs> liked milk, uh-huh. um, particularly the chocolate milk, but I like both varieties. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah. I would um, systematically trade each individual item of my school hot lunch for someone's milk. Oh, so, so you would get multiple milks? I would I would have approximately seven to eight cartons of milk and just drink that for lunch. And I didn't know why everyone thought I was weird. I was like, this, you guys are all fucking idiots. I'm getting all your chocolate milk. And then, like... <laughs> I I I, really, I remember one teacher coming by just going, what is happening here? And I was like, I don't understand why this is so shameful. But I was a big fan of it. And uh, uh, that uh, teacher definitely went uh, and hung out with some friends and was like, yeah, there's this kid who collects milk cards and drinks them all. <laughs> Where, I mean, I like to imagine that you were some kind of Super villain attempting to become like the strongest boy by drinking everyone's milk. That would culminate at the end of the year where like the bully fights me and I have unbreakable bones, so it's Uh all just paid off. Uh So you just take a a horrible beating but never sustain any serious (laughs) injury. Yeah, Yeah, you maintain you maintain the moral high ground as you're being beat. You're like, well, at least my bones will never break. (laughs) (laughs) Sticks and stones. Will not break my broads, but words are power or something. I don't know what I say. The, the milk shall help sustain me. <laughs> I keep drinking more milk as the bullies fight. He's like, I don't understand. He won't go down. It's not happening. 
So the yeah, milk, the milk maniac. Is <laughs> so yeah, I did do that. Um, uh, but I would never trade a sandwich because no other people sandwiches made in other people's homes, especially white bread. It just absorbed any old stink. Yeah. So if your home had a, had a particular <laughs> scent, if you're you know other people's homes smelled differently, you know, mm-hmm. if they would absorb that stink, and then if you eat somebody else's sandwich. <laughs> Eating like their family stink. Yeah. <laughs> I have like never a- thought about that. I feel so dirty for ever eating any food from someone else. That's a very, that just, what you just said, Dom, is a very accurate and acute look into how your brain works. Uh, yeah, maybe. That's, yeah. That summarizes, like, just how Dom thinks about well, the world. Well, did you know that if you eat, like, a sandwich made for another boy, you're eating some of that mom's power? The mom who made oh, yeah. it, like... And if you eat enough of those sandwiches, you could become... She can become your new mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she can, like, imprint, she can imprint upon you. Yeah, you the show to the house after, like, 50 sandwiches, and they just, like, the mom can just tell. I thought that's what was going to happen to Walter in the show, because the father, like, kind of really admires Walter. It's, like, one of those weird things where he's like, <laughs> I wish you were my son. <laughs> uh, also, the dad looks like David Byrne from the Once in a Lifetime video. Like, exactly. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> He what a deep exa- cut dude he looks exactly like him except he doesn't have the suit jacket on but he looks so i thought it was him for a second for like a brief second i was like what the fuck and then you know it's just his super dorky dad but what i love is his dad is like straight up like cliche dork like pocket protector everything and he's like he's like saying it's not cool for skipper to read the comic books and it's like your dad's like the biggest dork don't listen to him do the opposite of whatever your dad says yeah, you know, I do remember thinking there's a lot of weird, like, judging. I, I, yeah, there's a lot of, like, you haven't done your homework, which I get, right? right. But, like, Skipper's also like, I gotta spend all my time reading comics. I'm like, unless you're getting, like, you know, 50 of them a week, like, those should take, like, an hour tops, dog. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. comics aren't like, that hard to read. Yeah, I, I never understood that, where in a show or a book or something where somebody's obsessed with comics and they're always reading them. It's like, you read them, like... 10, 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> you don't need to read it ever again. Uh, there is a great moment between Skipper and his dad where he's reading a comic under the sheets like he was supposed uh-huh. to be doing homework and he's in his bed reading comics. And then his dad rips off the sheet and goes, gotcha. <laughs> Which is like really dangerous to do because that could have been so many things happening under those sheets. Oh, there yeah. could be a, a pubescent boy exploring himself under there. <laughs> right. Even if it's right. comics, it could have been like, you know, jerking it to Gen 13 or something. It was the 90s. Like, uh-huh. just, yeah, like no, I mean, there was some there was some cleave in those books. There's a lot of cleave, a yeah. lot of impossible girl spines in those and books bo- and boob windows, all kinds of things going on in there. Okay. So yeah, there were a lot of boob windows. There were back a lot of boob windows. Let's let's set this up. Boob. All right. Uh, again, so Skipper reads comic books too much, right? Yep. And everyone judges him. And he's, I can't remember why he gets on the bus, but he's like, I'm going to go for a bus ride. Oh, his mom like makes him go to the dentist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's like embarrassed about it for some reason. Yeah, in, <laughs> in this show, I, he doesn't act embarrassed. But yeah, in the book, he like, well, because the girl Libby comes up to him on the bus. And they, this is another one that's like a one for one. She goes up to him. She's like, hey, do you go to whatever school he goes to? Because for some reason, she knows that. I don't know. And yeah. Like, and he's like, yeah. And she's like, how is it? Like, what are you like searching out different schools? You're not going to be able to ever go there. 
Like yeah. you're not, you don't get a choice. You can't just, you can't be like, I'm going to check out this school instead. You're, this whole you're interaction with Libby was weird. Cause I, 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 not to, you know, make these kids who are probably 12, you know, put them in an adult filter. It really seemed like, so all we know about Skipper is he's lame and nerdy and no one else wants to talk about comic books. Yeah. And he gets on this bus and like a, a pretty like redhead girl starts like felt like she was flirting with him or something. She's like, Definitely. yeah, what's your name? And everything she says, he's like, I hate this girl. Like, right. There was, there was a quote over time. was like, when I was a little kid, I was always in a hurry. He told, I told her. So I used to skip a lot. That's why they started calling me skipper. Libby replies. Cute. She said with a smirk. I don't think I like this girl. I told myself yeah. so like a, gr- a girl calls you cute. You're like, I hate this girl. I was, I was like, cause I, so I knew where it was going. Cause I'd watched the TV show and I know that she, well, we know how it ends. And, uh, and I was reading that line and I was like, see, like, is this like a foreshadowing? Like he's supposed to feel off about this girl, but I think you're right, Chad. I think it was just a weird reaction to a girl hitting on him. <laughs> it was like, yeah, she like, kept asking him questions like, Oh, what are you reading? You like these comic books? He's like, shut up. Like he just clearly didn't <laughs> yeah. respond well I, well. I think all of us know that, uh, what's your, uh, uh a nerdy boy. Uh, at a certain point, any kind of like friendly engagement, you're like, this is a ploy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be tricked. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the con, what's the con here? What's her game? <laughs> no. Can I, can I, can I share? Maybe this is like too deep of Reddit to share. Like I, I saw something this week on, I can't remember what subreddit was, it was on Reddit all. And it was like this really unintentionally sad video of like some, it was probably some adult video where a woman's like, I'm going to prank this boy. And they go over to like a dude in college. He's like a chubby fat dude. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's like, like flashes him. But his reaction is just like, of absolutely not caring. He just looks at her and just lowers his head back down and starts playing DS again. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, what's weird? What's wrong with that fucking dude? And a bunch of people were pointing out, I was like, you know, that dude probably thinks like, Oh, I, this girl is clearly fucking with me. Like he just right. knows that rule immediately. And it comes from right, like yeah. years, years and years of like a girl going like, Hey, I think you're cute. He's like, really? He's like, no, you dumb idiot. Like, you know, that's like, that's the weird right. built in aversion he has. Right. Uh, I mean, like, what did they expect him to react? Was he supposed to like hop up on the table and be like, his mouth is supposed to hit the floor, like a cartoon wolf. Like where people are like, why didn't he like, Go in rage rape mode. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it just, but it was like this really like unintentionally sad thing. I'm like, oh, that man knows immediately he's being fucked with. That's really sad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but like that's what Skipper's doing with Libby, essentially. Right. Uh, yeah, not at all, but totally the spiritual thing. And like just ignoring her. And she's asking all these questions. And he's like dodging that he's go- I can't remember. I couldn't understand. Like he he is embarrassed to say he's going to the dentist. I think, I wonder if it was a dig. I wonder if this was another dig because in the, in the book, so I don't remember how it works in the show. Dumb. I don't, she makes him forget or like distracts him and he misses his stop. Right. Yeah. They just, they're just talking about yeah, comics so the same, and he, he misses his yeah, stop. Yeah. Same thing happens in the book, but she does that dig where he's like, she's like, where are you going? And he, and he's like, I'm too embarrassed to let her know that I'm going to the comic or that I'm going to the orthodontist. Cause that's dorky. Even though you have the braces on your teeth, dude. Yeah. No dude. Like you take care <laughs> of yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, so he says, I'm going to the comic book shop and like, I don't know if that's like, like supposed to be a dig, like R.L. Stein, like being like, it's dorkier to have braces than to read comic books or he's, I don't know. I never understood how this book felt about if comics are cool or not. I could never tell. Yeah. Well, in the comic fan mind of R.L. Stein, wouldn't that be like a moment of comedy? It's like, oh, he went, he defaulted to the nerdier thing. I think that's it. I think you're right. I think that's what Maybe. it was. 
Maybe maybe it just doesn't land. But anyway, he he, he forgets his stop, and then in the in the in the show, he stumbles upon uh, uh, the a fortress. Mutants. Yeah, the masked mutants. Who, who fortress. who's the comic he'd been reading the most the whole time? Is the masked mutants the best one? Like he's mm-hmm. the super. Which also was interesting that he's a super villain, so he's essentially reading like anti-hero comics. Yeah, yes. which I'm into. I've always liked reading. Uh, about the bad guys because all the all the you know flagship comics are about superheroes but then they would do offshoots where a bad guy like venom or mm-hmm. uh dr doom would uh, have the, a stretch the and others were good they were a lot of fun yeah they were awesome and like this he, he the one of the comic books he name drops at the beginning is spawn actually does he? Oh, I don't yeah. remember Which him kind of, dropping Spawn. Interesting. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. It was, he did say uh, Todd McFarlane. kind of a bad guy. I do remember him saying Todd McFarlane, I think, at some point. We'll say yeah, that. he has a poster of Captain America, and he says Jack Kirby, and then he has Spawn, a Spawn poster, and he says Todd McFarlane. So weird. Okay, so, like, he loves... He's not, my, he's not, a, he's not a bad guy, like you're saying, Doc. He's, he's an anti-hero but you know yeah 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 he's like stone cold i'd read like yeah. a doom he's like stone cold i'd read like yeah. a doom comic book though or something you know uh uh okay. yeah so like he sees the mass mutants headquarters just on this random stop and by the way like it didn't come across in the book that it was like up a hill or like on a deserted path it's kind of just like it felt like you just got off the bus stop and there just happened to be the legion of doom just right there off the highway That's exactly how it happens in the show it's so weird like it's, it's not even like imagine if the legion of doom's giant floating skull headquarters wasn't in a swamp but it was just next to like a super target the the best part is these are all filmed in canada and the tower is there next to the CN Tower in downtown Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> the most iconic building in Toronto. That's There's also a Goosebumps ad on mm-hmm. the bus. Mm-hmm. Wait, it's really? like two mummy hands and it's like two thumbs up. Yep. <laughs> but like, why would you need to? I guess that's an inside joke. You don't need to advertise that when... When you're already watching the show, you already have my I'm business. Down with, I, I'm down with that. that. That like completes the world. It's like Goosebumps exists in this world and this kid's on a Goosebump. Yep. Okay. Okay, sure. I can go with that. So, but So instead of like doing this shared universe thing where it's like uh, the the mummy's tomb or whatever, like a museum exhibit for the last book. It's just, you know, Goosebumps are real. R.L. Stein's yes. rich in this universe too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's going to make this kid go on a horrible adventure. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, like the adventure itself is like, so not interesting for a while. Like he sees the mass mutants headquarters. Like this is totally it. It's right there. But then he just decides not to go in. Like, it's just like, uh, okay, I guess I should get to the dentist appointment and decides to leave. Right. Which is such a strange, like, what a, I don't what know. A, what a boring out. Of Ignoring the call to adventure, like, not rejecting it, but just like, I don't know. I'll come back to it. Right. It'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he goes back, and I think he, remember, he reads the comic or something, like, the mass mutant happens to, like, be reacting to things happening. So he's like, he puts a cloaked, invisibility cloak on the building. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they go back, and the building is invisible now. Yep. Yeah, it's not there. And well, like, so they're in the sh- in the show. There's like an old man who's walking by. He's like, "There's a building there," and he's like, "What?" And he goes, "There's a building from a comic book." And he goes, "Ah, comic books. Those things will spoil your brain." <laughs> Dude, they kept doing that <laughs> through the whole show. They kept being like, "They'll, they'll you'll shoot your eye out." It was like that refrain throughout yeah, the entire episode. Unless it's going to end with like the mass mutant scrambling his brain. I don't know. Like, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. 
spiritually maybe. I, th- I, I, I think that menta- mentality of comic books are bad for you came from R.L. Stein's experience with comic books in reading like Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror because those were the first like uh, taboo comic books that came out that were like people were upset about because they were right. about murders and, and, and monsters and stuff like that. And those are totally what he read, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I never thought about, like, the mother of R.L. Stein. You know she was, like, not down with the books he was reading. Oh, yeah. Probably yeah, wanted he, him to, like, mm-hmm. read from the Torah or something. I don't know. Like, what would right. be, like, what would be, like, a really conservative parent? You got to stay inside. You're allergic to dust, R.L. Right. Uh, <laughs> you can't go outside. Just re- don't read any of these fun. Like, but, but mother, I'd like to ad- escape into a world of adventure. Like, no. <laughs> Little boy R.L. <laughs> it sounds really interesting, Chad. I really appreciate right? this you character you've crafted. An adventure with him. <laughs> mother. It sounds like he killed his parents. I'm just gonna say that. He also has like that. He also has that iconic mole, like as an eight year old boy. Like he's just oh, yeah. exactly the same haircut and face and clothes. And I, I, I like how like of course he had the same mole from when he was a kid. <laughs> no, but like maybe you get it, it later grow in your ear. on his face later. <laughs> I really want to see it, little. Can RL. that happen? I think I think they gave RL the same clothes to like that like black shirt he always wears. He just had that as a little boy. And his mother's like, you'll grow into it. He's had it his whole life. They made him shave a horseshoe. They were like, this is how you look appropriate. <laughs> so so uh, the story like uh, Skipper decides to go back the next day and yeah, it's invisible and Libby's teaming up again. Libby seems like a fun friend and he's not really like being cool with Libby that much. Right. And they go back in, right? It's, it's, it is invisible after the old man tells them, but they go in and, uh, remind my memory of it. They go in and like, they find a printing press, like making yeah, so the they, comics. They explore. Um, and it's kind, kind of, of <laughs> yeah, it's well in the book, they describe it as a printing press, but in the show, it's just a table with a bunch of shit on it. Yeah, it's a white, <laughs> so he it's might a, just like own comics. Yeah. It's a white room with like a drawing table on it, and on the table are a bunch of folders, and they're filled with like pencils of comics. Like they're in the pencil stage. Oh, and he's yeah. like, oh this is where they must make the comics. And then he opens another folder and he sees drawings of himself, and he's like, oh my God, that's me. And uh, the artist on the show definitely drew him in an adult's body. <laughs> he's not like a little <laughs> yeah. boy. It's really strange, but yeah. So he, uh, they, they, it's not a printing press in the show, but um, the same effect. He they're, finds that he's like, oh, this is, must be where they make the comics. Their version in in the TV show is like, you know, that a guy draws every comic, right? Like every individual issue, the dude draws by hand, and they send it out. Yes, they don't mm-hmm. duplicate it at all. It's really hard hard work. God, imagine <laughs> right more than being sold. So like, he sees himself. By the way, if that had been a real thing, like if you went into a strange multicolored like rainbow building and you found drawings of yourself as a little boy as a handsome man you'd be like uh-huh. stranger danger times 10 <laughs> oh Let's yeah get the fuck out of here yeah he and, wasn't a handsome man well, no i mean just a, a his little boy man. face just looked really strange <laughs> on like a much bigger body so i'm assuming he just looked like, like john candy i'm assuming yes. that's just basically yes what, yes okay yeah 
in in the book he's real impressed because like in the show like you're saying Dom he's a weird man boy but in the in the book he's like I had sweet muscles like they gave me these awesome muscles and stuff like that and he's like real like he's like real happy with how he looks in the in the book yeah I look great yeah he's like real impressed <laughs> and it inspires him to change his life and start working out and that's the end of the <laughs> yeah. book yep uh huh oh, so when he discovers the drawings uh, in the in the show i think it's similar but in the book they, there's a series of really great just like brush offs that are like just like rl couldn't have the characters like see the the pictures of him the drawings of him like so like, he has the drawings of himself in his hands and libby shows up and scares him in the book and in the in the show uh, in the show it's great they just have her they the the cliffhanger before the commercial is the masked mutant just shows up Oh, and then and then and then when you come back from the commercial, it's just clearly a cardboard cutout at, at the second part. <laughs> but the shot before it, if you, when you back to back, is legitimately the actor there. So it's just a complete like fuck you. Unless like, they're trying to imply. Like, Go ahead, Dom. Oh, it's just the best adaptation of a Goosebumps cliffhanger because that's what they always are. It's like, oh my god, a guy. No, it was a piece of clay. Right, I'm, I'm, exactly. looking, this, I'm looking this up. I, by the way, I just wanted to, sur- <laughs> wanted to admit that while we were talking, I just absentmindedly Googled little R.L. Stein just to hope there would be a photo <laughs> of it as if that would be a real thing. <laughs> the word Please little. tell me there is a little person who impersonates him. <laughs> that's what you found. <laughs> it's like little kiss or whatever. Like That's the idea of it. Little R.L. Stein. Little R.L. Stein. Uh, uh, oh, yes. so so he's he's but he's holding the the pictures of himself. He's got the pictures, and he's like Libby. There's drawings of me here, and she goes, "No way!" And he's like, "There, no, look at them." And she's like, "I'm not looking at those," and walks away. And he's like, <laughs> and instead of instead of bringing them with him, he just is like. And just throws them down and leaves. And she's like, I swear they were real. And she's like, yeah, right. Well, you and can't it's like, steal property. No, you couldn't, of course. So, okay, you're right. That's good. That's a good point. <laughs> he, also, he also, maybe, maybe he's going to be in the comic. Maybe he wants to leave him. Oh, yeah, yeah it's true. You don't want to steal that. I mean, ugh, you can resell and that then art. I, he, he's, then he goes home and he's in the comic book that shows up at his house. He's in it. He oh sees God. himself in it. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm in the fucking comic book. This is crazy. Yeah, the new show. comic comes out, right? Like, it's yeah, a the new, new issue. So somehow that came out, like, within, 20, like, 12 hours. Within 12 hours, did. yeah. Like, the next day, he's got, he's got a comic book with himself in it. Uh, and that's what he says verbatim. He says, oh, my goddamn God, I'm in the fucking comic book. <laughs> <laughs> But like in the it's, show, it's yeah. him. It's what happened in the 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 book. Like is essentially in the comic book. It's like yes. him just walking around. Which I remember thinking, like that's a really boring comic book. Like if every kid in the country got this comic, I'd be like, fuck this. What is this experimental bullshit? <laughs> right, right. It's just a little boy wandering in a in a warehouse because it also ends on like at the end is like a cliffhanger. It goes a new foe. So like. If you're if I'm reading this book in Indiana, I'm reading the Massive Mutant. I have no no idea what's going on. Yeah, and I read like you know twenty two pages of a little like man boy walking around and then going, "What will happen to the breaking and entering boy?" I'm like, I'm right. done with this comic. Yeah, I'm canceling my subscriptions <laughs> completely to this. Maybe they yeah. are really rotting his mind, and he was like, "Oh, this issue was good." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe this is where I stop. This is where I cut my addiction. Oh, I like I like bad stories now. This is great. <laughs> but I believe the comic uh, also mentions that, like, oh, also by the way, the Galloping Gazelle, his arch nemesis, 
the hero is in there kept captive so only and it's the gonna boy. die yeah yes but but like i just mentioned that i did appreciate this is just my own personal bias i did appreciate that in this universe their version of the flash is the leader of the superheroes because let's be honest flash is like the most powerful dude like without a doubt you can travel you, in time when you get into it like he can do everything like he could kill anyone there's no way you can exploit his power of slowing down time and living by a fraction of a second. Like, you can't counter that. He can just slow it down slower. Yeah, Yeah. even Superman could, like, if you really wanted to just write your way around him killing Superman, you could be like, uh, I went back in time to the point where the asteroid, uh, where your rocket ship fell, and then I broke your neck as a baby. I know it's fucked up, but I did it. (laughs) I'm the Flash. The DC universe is like it's such a cool character, but then you like read a DC like a mainstream DC comic that's like about the world, and there's like seven flashes, and they're all in different costumes. Like, yeah, this has been my whole thing with someone who's like barely watches the the CW like Arrowverse is they mm. keep going back. There's some great writing in it. There's some cool stuff, but they constantly go like, well, all the Flash villains have to be speedsters, and there's like 20 dudes who fire arrows in the Arrow show. Like, they right. always have to be like they have to be countered by what they are right i don't i don't know i think there's too many people fired arrows i'm good yeah yeah (laughs) maybe let that be it is called called arrow it is called arrow it is called arrow so i guess if you don't see some arrows being fired you're gonna be like what am i fucking watching what is this right yeah people are showing up for the arrow but anyway i just appreciated the respect that the flash aka the galloping gazelle is is deserved right i think you're right i think it's a little nod it's it's rl being like i like this guy he's my guy so so Skipper does his nightly jerk off to the comics and goes right. to sleep. He's well, like, hold on, real go. quick, real quick. There's another great line, another great dismissal by the parents because he's telling them he wants to show them the book, and they're the dad's cutting onions, and he can't, <laughs> and his eyes are watering, so he can't look at the comic book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the mom has this great line that's another non-line. There's so many weird non-lines in this where she's she says, you know, there's a trick to cutting onions. I don't know it. It's actually pretty well delivered, though. It's a pretty it, it, good line. In the show, it's good. In the show, okay, it's actually in the a good book, line. It, in the book, I didn't even read it as a joke. I just read it as, like, I don't know how to answer this. I didn't realize it was supposed to be a joke. Yeah. I get that now. Okay. So, again, you could, I don't know, you could answer all of this with just doing a, like, Westworld type thing or just to have the parents look at it and go, like, I don't, I don't see, that's not you. Like, right. well, in I, the book, she does. In the book, she looks at it and she's like, it does kind of look like you, Skipper. And then that's it. Yeah, well, and say if you really want to make it clear, like why the parents aren't helping, just actually have them go, like, um, no offense, Skipper, but like this, this is not you. This, this being a little delusional, has, Skipper. This boy has way too many muscles. Like maybe we should take you to the gym to work out, but right, we're, right. we're like mean. We're like mean parents that are judging you, but yeah. So I, I could, I could buy that. Look, Skipper, you could look like this, but you got to stop trading all your food for chocolate milk. Okay. Man, that chocolate milk was so good, though. I know. Uh, I know. I, I also did trade, just for the record, I did also trade it for the peanut butter and jelly combo packs. And oh, I would just eat yeah. that together. It's just one glorious chocolate milk, peanut butter, and jelly. Just Oh, my God. Man, I can't great. believe no girls dated me in middle school. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, all right, let's so continue this story. He goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. He gets. He goes back. He's going back to, this, to the thing. It's continually visiting this building. It's really strange. Yeah. Also, um, maybe I missed this detail. Did they? Does time pass like a month at a time? It's like every day, right? I think it's just three days. Yeah. Okay, so like not to be this, I was like, okay, the comic keeps coming out with new shit or something, but like 
that takes a month unless it's like a, a rare weekly comic come right. on man like wh- who's releasing this like is this 30 comics a month i don't know i don't know i don't buy that right that's all that's all i had to say about that no, issue i'm with you on that i'm with you he should have skipper should have been asking some more questions so he goes back uh paul i'll let you i'll let you go with it uh he goes back uh, he goes back into. They go back into the into the building. Uh, Libby isn't there this time, right? He goes by himself. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so he goes in. Um, he goes into the elevator again, which they went into in the first time, and it took him to the basement where they found the printing press and the ta- the drawing table. This time, it takes him up, and he goes to the secret lair. He finds the galloping gazelle tied up in the ma- the mass mutants. Hidden lair. And yeah, but he's like, just like tied to a chair with like rope. Yeah, just regular old rope. Okay. Uh, There's also in the show a strange like it, sh- it should be a gag, but it's just on the bridge of his nose. Like yeah. it's just a, a, a like a like a piece of fabric that should be pulled over his mouth, but it's just on his nose. Wait, <laughs> what? I was watching him with Jen, and she's like, "What's wrong with his mask? Why is it off? Like weird? Like it's like a, is it a shitty mask? They just have like a cheap mask and." It's just a weird piece of gag around his face. I think I think it must have been like a production reveal. Like they wanted to be like, who is it? Who is it? It's Adam West. Right. Yeah. And no kid knew oh, who Adam West was. They wanted was. to like make it a thing where you recognize his face. But yeah. the thing is, like, he talks at the very beginning of the episode because they show like a comic, like a page, a panel of the comic, and it's like the voiceover is the Alpin Gazelle is Adam West talking, and you're like, oh, fucking Adam West, holy shit. Huh. Yeah, you know right away. So he must have been know. so stoked to have him. Also, cool for rest. Also, rest in peace, Adam West. Cool that he like just it, did this. It <laughs> he throws, yeah, flew up to Canada for it, dude. It throws into stark relief how bad the acting for everybody in this show is because you have someone with like a modicum of charisma. You know, like I mean, he's got Adam West is very charismatic. Like even the slightest bit more charismatic than these people, and you're like, oh my god, this show's funny. Like because it's like he's like saying lines, and it's like actually kind of funny and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess if you cast like Adam West or like Bruce Campbell type guys more in this show, it actually would have been amazing. Yeah, instead of just like random kids off the street in Canada, like you would have actually had a really cool, yeah, creep show or like you know type yeah. series. Dom, Interesting. Dom, Dom, would you care to explain what happens after he releases the galloping gazelle? Okay, yeah, so this is, like, something that really stood out to me as particularly strange about this episode. (laughs) This whole book is so weird. Adam West shows up, and it gets super weird. So he unties him, and he's like, ah, you must be another superhero. Thanks for saving me. It's about time you showed up. Let's go get the, uh, the, uh, the mass mutant. And he, like, you know, since he is a speedster, he flashes to, like, uh, the rafters or something, just like uh, towards the ceiling of the building. He's but like rope stopped him. There. But rope stopped and him. No, rope did not stop him. <laughs> but he, he, at, first anyway, he, he, at first it did. Yeah. It did? I was saying well, he's tied he, up and saying like rope was able to hold him in place, but also oh, I yes, of course, of course, sorry. of course. Uh, sorry, you confused me there, Chad. Uh, but uh, uh, so he's like, come on to like uh, Skipper. He's like, come on. Duh, we gotta go. And he's like, ah. Uh, I can't do that. Uh, I don't. I don't have any superpowers. And he goes, "Oh, fine. We'll take the stairs then." And then, he, like, he flashes up the stairs, and then finally, the ki- poor kids out of breath coming up the stairs, and Adam West is there, and he's like, fo- arms folded. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna have to work out if you want to be a superhero." Yeah. <laughs> he makes fun of him so for he's being like fat, shaming this poor boy. 
dude, I thought that too. In the in the book, it's just like, oh, I guess you don't have any powers like this. Okay, you must have different powers. But in the show, he did, Adam West was probably just like, I'm just gonna make fun of this kid, okay? And just like, yeah, just, yeah, just, into just him. Adam West not realizing the cameras are rolling, <laughs> right? Yeah, but he's like toe tapping and patient. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I pictured it as like the Sonic uh, one through three, like idle animation where he's just looking at the camera on the game. It's like exactly going, like, that. I'm waiting. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he 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 uh, finally makes it upstairs and they're like, ah, oh, we're in the masked mutants headquarters. And then uh, the, the galloping gazelle is like, oh, I'm going to take a seat. going <laughs> to take a rest. <laughs> And he sits down in a chair and it's already super bizarre because like anything Adam West is saying to this kid is weird. Yeah, I yeah. forget exactly what he's saying, but he's having this weird conversation with him. And then suddenly the chair is the mass mutant. And oh it's just this, like weird David Cronenberg head coming out of the top of the chair. Oh, and, I wish I had and, seen and that. Also a snake. And Adam West is like wrestling with a rubber yeah, snake. Yeah, the snake disappears. <laughs> Well, I'll be honest, actually, because they mentioned the Mass Mutant can transform. I thought for sure the original Galloping Gazelle was going to be a trick. Like, he was going to get there and untie him and then be like, you dumb idiot, it's me, the Mass Mutant. Right. I didn't realize the Galloping Gazelle was actually going to be real and just there and an idiot. Yeah. Well, it gets weirder. Uh, finally, uh, Adam West gets up out of the chair that the Mass Mutant is in and he begins to spin. And he just right. keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. <laughs> and then uh, he uh, he stops spinning and then he's like, oh, oh, this is too much. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> he just, <laughs> and he just bails on the little boy. He just leaves. He leaves the little boy to face the Mass Mutant alone. Wait, that's different than the book a little bit. And, right? It's a little different in the book. Look, go ahead. You can explain what happens. Well, if book, I remember but. right, it was just the, like he's he's doing his like he I think he says like I'm going to, which is a flash move by the way to just like run right. so fast all the like oxygen leaves the vacuum of sp- around him. Yes. So he's like I'm going to make him submit, and then like I remember right, the mutant just like sticks out his foot and trips him, which is a funny yep. thing to do to a speedster. Yep. So, so he's like, oh fuck, my one weakness, and he, <laughs> and and then he, but then he turns into a leopard, which I think is what the snake thing was supposed to be. Right. Does he do that in the in the show at all? Does he no, turn the, into a there's, cat? There's there's no leopard in the show. Okay, so my guess no. was the snake thing was supposed to be like we want to show that he can turn into dangerous animals too. Well, we can't get a leopard. Right. Like of course. that's not going to be fly. So we can get a fake snake and right. show his arm as a snake. Yes. And they just do that. So then the girl because I was like, oh fuck, I'm not going to deal with like a, a leopard. I'm out. Like that's that's too fast for me, I guess. Right. And right. So then he just leaves Skipper there. Which, yeah. by the way, I just want to point out that like when they went in and with the office, I was like, it's weird to even think about a supervillain decorating his base. Like, the, dude, the his base is fabulous, dude. It's crazy. It's like all oh, colorful. Show, yeah. Yeah. It and, like Gemma saying she thinks they probably they had to rent like a like Dom. You probably get agree. Like it's like a. A laser tag place or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes it, sense. It, it, yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, call. It probably was like a laser tag. Yeah, yeah, I remember from watching the show as a kid that the whole thing was like partly just a factory. Like I remember just like clearly this is just shot in like one of your there, power yeah, plants. There, yeah, there's a couple pieces that are definitely just a factory with but some, some like, of the other ones felt like pieces. something from like a Kubrick museum or something. Right. I don't know. It just it just felt like this is some crazy eccentric dude in Canada's like like orgy den, and you guys were yeah. just shooting there for the weekend. Yeah, it was kind of cool looking, actually. <laughs> so what happens after the Galloping Gazelle leaves, right? Um, so 
basically they have a back and forth about uh, how he's going to, uh, you know, finish this kid off. And uh, he goes, ah, my one weakness, Skipper, he's keen. He's he knows comic books. He knows everything about the mass mutant. He says, my one weakness is acid, sulfuric acid. <laughs> it's a, yeah. and, way, which is a weakness to a lot of things. Right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then Mass Mutant goes, oh, sulfuric acid, I'll turn into it. Right. And so he does, and then uh, he, he dies because that's actually his weakness. Yep. And he also calls himself, at some point, he identifies himself as the colossal elastic boy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. Just, just, just to clarify this, so the boy is following along with, like, the mass mutant also thinks you must be a comic book character, which is also, like, to be fair, is true now because, like, he is in the comic book. Yeah, yeah well, I think they explain it with some science that once he entered the building, he was scanned. He was scanned, yeah. And, oh, into yeah, millions it was like a laser dots, thing in the beginning so, like, when you go through. N- now he's in a comic book. He's he's in one. So, so the boy's like smartly doing like, yes, I am. Uh, I am a superhero. You got to fear me. And he tells the mass being my weakness is acid. Yes. Yeah. And then that actually is the mass mutant's acid and he dies. Yes. But I can't remember. So in the in the show, I feel like it happens differently because Libby shows up, right? Well, the, the, yeah, so there's like there's a moment where the mass mutant disappears and then Libby shows up and then the mass mutant reveals that he was Libby the whole time. Right. Is that after he turns into acid or is that before? That's before. That's, that's before. Yeah. The acid thing is like if I remember is the ending. Like, so that's that's where I didn't understand because like the mutant, the mass mutant's like, I'm going to I'm going to go all the way up here and drop you to your death or whatever. And then like Libby shows up. And so maybe I just like read it too fast. Does. How does he become Libby? Like, I just didn't get so, it. So, in the, in the book, Libby shows up and kills the mass mutant with a gun. She shoots him with a gun. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, and he melts. And, and, they're like, and they're like, yeah, we did it. We killed him. And then she reveals after that, which she does in the, in the show, too, that she's actually the mass mutant. But in the book, it's weird because she kills another henchman of the mass mutant, the magnificent molecule man, who's the, the oh, same right, thing. Yeah. Same thing as the mass mutant, I guess, but just the one that anything, they... anything to to kill a kid, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's such a strange, like un, I, I get if you want to find out that like Libby was the mass mutant the whole time I was fucking with you, but they have this whole like, well, we want Libby to show up, uh, and the mass mutant's already there, so I guess we'll just have like a, a henchman be there the whole time too. He also can, can transform, like just right. multiple people can transform. It's a little convoluted of a way to have a surprise, you know? Yeah. So also, like, not to not to get too weird into it, but, like, I think there's something gross about, like, I'm pretending to be a 13-year-old girl and, like, flirting with you as a grown man mutant. Right. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, there's, there's some strange connotations to that. Right, yes. Yes. I, I, I think... I think that uh, Skipper was right to be wary. I think this is actually a, a cautionary tale about talking to people on talking the internet chat rooms. <laughs> internet chat be rooms. a sentient mutant that is trying to... <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't wasn't that like one of the things that they they would say to you uh, in like uh, in in school when they started to tell you that like pe- some people some adults take children to be like they may try to lure you in with video games or comic books, right? Yeah, yeah. I do remember mm-hmm. as a kid going like, "Well, I'll just take the comic books and run that dumb idiot. It'll give me free comic books, <laughs> yeah, free but, comic yeah, books, super yeah. fast." Yeah, I really <laughs> drank all that chocolate I milk can, today. I can <laughs> sprint for about twenty seconds and I'm good, so I can probably get away for twenty seconds. <laughs> 
seconds I could run super fast, but then I have to lie down. Unless I, I drink, drink more so milk, chocolate milk. Unless I drink more milk, or I drink too much milk, I'm good. Yes, you got to drink. Uh, you got to be in the golden, the Goldilocks zone of milk drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the mask being reveals himself. He's like, now I'm going to kill you. And also, I guess he like. I never completely understood. Everyone just thinks he's in a comic book and they're like, you have to die because we also all think you're my arch nemesis. It never, it never is like, Oh, we know you're a kid. I'm just going to kill you because I'm evil. It's always this like, you must, you must be a villain. Like he has, you're the colossal. Like he's like, you know, you are the, you are the elastic boy or whatever. Like skippers comes up with the name, right? He comes up with the name, but, it's revealed that I guess the reason the masked mutant did this was because he needed a great foe. He didn't, no one was foe enough for him. And yeah, like the galloping gazelle just bailed. Yeah, Which is strange. Yeah. Like it almost makes that whole thing make sense. If the gazelle is that much of a wuss, like he actually needs someone good that, that could possibly work. Right. Nobody was smart enough to, to outwit him, but Skipper could because he knew everything about him. Yeah, that's, that's why he brought him in. Was he, he was like he's like you are you are the my greatest foe. You know, like you're the only one that can match my wit, and that's yes. what happens. And also, like and, by the way, Elastic Boy is a weird like title to give to not not to stereotype, but based on the kids' body type and characteristics, I think he'd be more <laughs> like a like a juggernaut or like a I don't uh, know, like a like a, like a blob Chad. or like a, a bouncy boy. Uh huh. Yes. Like kind of like turn into a big old uh, inflation fetish boy, just like bounce around and like hit people with his his kinetic abilities. I don't know. Yes, he was a DC guy, right? Who's that? The bouncy boy. Is there? Is there? A, I, yeah, I, there is a there is a round a rotund superhero. A rotund I'm sure. Boy. I deduce that. Oh yeah, uh, he did read DC because of Flash and. Plastic Man, which he drew inspiration for. Yeah, Plastic yes. Man is clearly the version they wanted to go for. Uh, for a yeah, there is, boy, yeah. There is a bouncing boy, and it is just a, a chubby boy who has an inflatable body and limited vulnerability while bouncing. That should probably be what this guy was. Yeah. Uh, so any, anyway, he, he beats he beats the mass mutant. The right? same way. The same way at the end of the book as he does in the which show. Which I, I think is actually a really cool idea if it had been some sort of clever thing of like not not to tell him how to write, because he immediately is like, okay, turn into acid, and then, oh, I knew that he couldn't turn into anything that wasn't a solid form. I feel like the mutant would know that, uh-huh. so un- unless you do some sort of, like, rabbit season, duck season thing, where, like, the like Skipper just keeps naming things, and it gets faster and faster, and, like, you see the mutant, like, fine, I'll turn into a leopard. He's like, no, I mean, I mean my right. mutant, this is, is, is a, a, a tank, and he turns into a tank, and then, and then the last one's like, uh, sulfuric acid, and the mutant doesn't, like, think about it. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could always buy that more, but it's like, what a dumb idiot. What a dumb... Chad, s- I, 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 let, me, let me frame this differently for you. Okay. This is to catch a predator. <laughs> All right? <laughs> he's so hopped up on the idea that he's gonna beat this little superhero boy <laughs> that he's just going for it. He's like, okay. yeah, I'll bring over wine coolers. I'm coming. Sure. You know what? You know I get what? That. I'm going to offer another interpretation. I think this is suicide by boy. Oh, the mass view needed someone to help him take his life. I think he, yeah, wanted he couldn't to do it, it on his own. He had to be, he had to be fooled into it. <laughs> that, that actually is like, if they had added a level of joke society, they had said like, I'm immortal because I'm a comic book creation. I know I'm not real. Like I'm kind of like a Deadpool thing. Yeah. It's like, I know I'm in a comic, but I'm stuck in this earth. I need someone to kill me so yes. I can have peace. I think that would be super fucked up and interesting. Yeah. Instead of just, I'm dumb. I'm a dumb yep. idiot. You're just a dumb idiot in this. 
So, like, Skipper's like, oh, yeah, I made the whole thing up. I knew he turned into acid. Uh, <laughs> and he's just, I remember he just, like, does, like, a dance. And, like, yeah. he's, by, but he's by himself. So he's, like, by, not even Libby is there. So he's, yeah, just, yeah. he's just hanging out in a warehouse as a superhero <laughs> villain turned into acid and eats the floor around him. And he's just dancing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, uh, remember, remember, hope you remember, because it's been a while since I've read this. So he goes, he goes back home, right? He goes home in both. He goes home. And so in the in the book, he has a sister and he goes home and he plays with his sister. He's like, I'm so happy. I'm going to play with my sister because I don't love her normally. Yeah. I appreciate life now that I saw that a man died in front of me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. And then he has. Yeah, they're playing and he, he confesses. He goes, I took a man's life today. <laughs> <laughs> So so they play. Uh, he goes. They, they they wear themselves out, and they're like, "Let's have a snack." And they're like, "Oh, there's some chocolate cake." So he gets a knife to cut the chocolate cake, and he cuts his hand, and he starts to bleed uh, comic book ink. And he goes, "Wow, I'm a comic book," and that's it. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm living ink. I'm ink. Wow, and that's it. But in the show, Dom, if you would care to do the ending. I I enjoy the ending of the show. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, a new comic comes home. The sister isn't in the show, but uh, he has comics delivered. He's one of those kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, a new comic comes in. He goes, I'm not really interested in that anymore. And I forget what it is, but he either holds he's either holding something for his mom and they're still talking. And then she realizes that he's in the other room Uh and his arm stretches back into the other room and he's in his superhero outfit, which kind of looks like Artie's strongest man in the world. (laughs) Yeah, with like with like those captain, like the Sergeant Pepper, like uh, shoulder. uh, Yep. The sure. things, yeah, marching band stuff, and uh, he stands up and he's like, "I'm the colossal elastic boy," ha ha ha, and that's the end of the show. That that actually is a better ending because I remember thinking it was weird that he didn't. I thought he was gonna like reach for the cake and his arm was going to stretch. I didn't realize right. it was gonna be like, "Oh, I just, I guess inside me is ink." We should probably go to a doctor. It's he funny said, that RL chose to make a child bleed at the end of his right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, would it have been great if like he was like, I can't reach the knife, and he went and like reached up and grabbed it, and then it'd have been like, oh, that's cool, and he'd have been like, wow, I got new powers, and then you know it would have been the same ending, but a little bit cooler because he like yeah, surprised I, himself. Did I did I miss a thing where like did, did they say when you went through the door and like the yellow scanner thing hit you, it turned you into a comic book or like? Yes. So theoretically, he wasn't he was a kid. I, I, as my memory as a, as a boy reading this book was like, oh, he was a comic book character the whole time. But it was no, you became a comic book character. Yeah, my impression is that he went through there and got t- taken into an alternate reality where everything was a comic at that point. That's my impression. Oh, yeah. Like he's yeah I, I, I think they say that he was scanned and now he's in a comic book. And like, that's the science. Yeah. OK. All right. I was interpreting this as some sort of like comic books are just reacting to whatever happens in the real world between superheroes and villains. And somehow the mass mutants door scanner thing is the most powerful thing in the universe. And it turns people into heroes. Yeah. But that makes, but I understand your, your thing makes more sense. I think that's what it is. I think. Okay. <sighs> what? Yeah. A, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that's I, it. I, I do like, was this book ever scary? 
No. That, that's the weird no. thing. It feels like a, um, I don't know, like a like a Twilight Zone or something. Like, it just feels like a... Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's cool. I liked it as a kid because it was so weird, but it's, like, not a scary book in any way. Yeah, it's more about well, just a weird, a weird story. Well, there's, like, Why I'm Afraid of Bees, to go back to that, is mm-hmm. also like that. It's never really scary. It's just strange. And, like, uh, you know, there is suspense, but there's never an element of fear. Right. Um, yeah. Or, like, I, horror, rather. And I think I thought this whenever someone told me they couldn't read Goosebumps because they were too scared of it as a kid. I'm like, it's not really, like, I would always think of these... And just be like, oh, um, yeah, like, it's not really a thing. It's just kind of like wacky sci-fi adventures. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just watching the Goosebumps episode right now. And Adam West is, like, going full tilt into it. It's worth watching just for Adam West. It's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I remember when it aired. Um, I remember I went over my my buddy's house to watch the second part the next day. And I was pretty disappointed as a kid i was like that's it <laughs> yeah you just want to see more of the f- you want to see like the adventure or like you want to see the galloping gazelle join as like a nick fury like it's time for you to fight more villains yeah yeah it's- just something better happening i guess but like as an adult watching it i'm like ah yeah that's fine i guess like judging the other goosebumps episodes i'm going ah yeah that was good enough like the production value was there so right I- i'm fine with this it's, it feels it's- like the- it felt like they were like, well, all right, we got Adam West, but we only have him for like a day at shooting. So let's get this. Yeah, done. let's just get him out of here. It's also interesting because you mentioned him saying I, I'm over comic books when he comes back, which is a nice like be careful what you wish for. You got too much of a good thing ending. Uh-huh. So I kind of wanted him to like find out he was a combo character and then be like recruited into more adventures, but like be sad about it. Like right. not be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm a superhero. I want him to be like, no, this is what I, I just want to go back to my normal life. And then I you have the, it actually. I think the book gives you that impression more than the show does. Yeah, the show and I'm looking at it, the show ends with him like, ha ha, and he like high fives the air because he's yeah, a right. character now. Right. I just, I just like it more being like a tragic ending thing. Right. His, the thing he loved has been spoiled for him. Yeah. Now he can't leave it, kind of thing. Right. So Libby's not even real ever. I, I kept thinking, to, I kept waiting to find out, like I don't know, like oh yeah, think, she was a girl and he pretend to be her sometimes. I think this just shows that our, our nerd instincts are correct and to never trust uh, someone who's trying to act like they love us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I just want to point this out. I just looked at the um, the Goosebumps wiki. The trivia has a uh, section has a theory that the Mask Mutant is actually the creator of the Mask Mutant. Uh, it is said that a man what? named Jimmy Starenko was the creator of the Masked Mutant and the League of Good Guys. But it could be possible that the Masked Mutant was Jimmy Starenko himself. Here is how it could be possible. One, Starenko was mentioned, but he made no appearance. Two, Skipper found a printing press in the basement of the Masked Mutant's headquarters, and he found many drawings of the comic characters that he had seen before. That's actually legit. Three, uh, the Masked Mutant told Skipper that he was always looking for new characters for his stories, and he also told Skipper that he was perfect when he told the mutant that he knew everything about his comics. Four, there was a scanner at the entrance of the building that can turn people into tiny dots of ink. That could be the mass mutant's possible origin. So that they like, I actually love that if he's like, I created all the comic books. Yeah. That would also make more sense for everything. Yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, that's just a, that's just a fan theory or whatever, but I like that idea. I How think- many bumps do you give it? Um, two, I, I don't know. Like out of, bumps to me implies scariness. I think two zero out of bumps. Zero How many gooses you got? <laughs> This gets this gets eight eight gooses zero bumps. Okay, yeah, I go with that. Uh, I go eight gooses two bumps just because like men, uh, I'm fucking around in, in latex in warehouses is a little like 
a little, a little spooky. A little spooky because you don't know what's going to go on. True. Um, so one or two bumps there, but yeah, not really a scary story. I still do enjoy this one just because it's different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I did enjoy this. I'm going to give it eight gooses as well. I'm going to give it three bumps. Three because bumps because that 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 fear all of us indoor children have <laughs> is that somebody <laughs> pretending to be your friend would actually be some kind of supervillain. <laughs> okay, I can go with that. <sighs> it's a psychological terror in this one. You're right. Yeah, three bumps. Three bumps on the subreddit on r slash goosebuds. Uh, no way guy two points out. Uh, I've seen it mentioned elsewhere, but the book never explains the whole Skipper went to Libby's house paragraph. I wonder if Libby's story played out differently in an earlier draft and the author editor didn't care enough to go back and change it. Wait, mm. I don't remember that. Is there a paragraph where he goes and hangs out at Libby's house? Yes, there is. In the book, she go- he goes and checks out her comic books. So, okay, yeah, that's a good point. So, so like, she has a house. Did, was that all fake? That makes me think, like, does he see a parent? I don't remember if he sees a parent there. You know, he doesn't. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about it. I think so. I don't remember. They, it, he goes to her house before they go into the secret lair, right? Yeah, I think, I, I think so. Because if because if, if that's the case, then maybe she was real in the real world. But then... It, when he gets turned into comic world, she's not real anymore. You, well, I don't you know. You do the thing Goosebumps has done before where they just don't to explain it. They're like, oh, yeah, that was a random abandoned house. Like, does that kind right. of thing where you don't see the parents or like Libby used to live there, but she's missing. Oh, no, the mutant killed her and, and right. assumed her form to, to just to fuck with this one kid. That yeah. also actually, by the way, would be really interesting if like if you had done something where like Libby was also a comic book fan, but she died cause she wasn't a good enough of a fan or something like the mutants been like, I've been talking to different kids around town waiting right. for my ultimate expert. And then like, if they don't meet the, the skit, the, the level of, you know, comic not, book fan, he a, just kills them. Yeah. They're not strong enough. They're not witty enough to out, to outwit him. That would also be kind of cool. Just throwing it out there. We're getting into fear street territory. We're getting now. into fear street territory. Uh, that's attack of the mutant. That's it. Um, this was an okay one. This one wasn't bad. I think I, I hold this higher just because I like comic books so much. So it was like cool to see him doing something with it. And yeah. it, it isn't just a spooky mummy. Like, it, uh-huh. it, at least, like, it's playing with an idea. But it is, it is kind of a mess. I get that. I prefer the spooky ones, personally. Yeah, I get that. It was so, like, well, the best version, I think, of Goosebumps will be RL comes up with his own kind of weird horror idea. Uh huh. Where it's like something you hadn't seen before, or at least there's a, a level to like it's a camp for kids, but also it's on an alien planet. Like you can right. kind of, and it's also scary. Those will be the theoretically the best versions of Goosebumps. Yes. Yeah, it's just a, it's just pretty weird and a little scary. I guess that's, that's the common <laughs> right. I think well, we've probably agreed that uh, which am I call it? Um, the camp one. Uh, uh, which is the uh, camp fever. on that? No, fever, not fever swamp. No, no yeah, it's it's swamp. nightmare camp nightmare. Right? Hold on, I'm looking. That's at the one that's camp with the kids. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that we all agreed was like that was a scary. That was a scary one. Yeah, the, the double twist one. at the end. Yeah, that, that might be the so far the best example of yeah of a weird uh, of, of a default goosebump book of like the best version of weird twists don't make any sense, but you're kind of worried about the kids and it's wacky at the same time. Yeah, that one was was the game of <laughs> right. yeah the, guys go see the game i wonder if that holds up at all now in the in the it's, era of like I, youtube I pranks like it i like it it's good okay the most uh, dangerous game 
No, just no, the game. The game. The Michael was it Michael Douglas? Yeah, David Fincher directed Michael Douglas movie. Yeah. Oh, is that, oh, is that wait, that's the one where that's the remake of the most dangerous game. Is it? Yeah, but wait. that's the one with is that the one with um where he's hunting a man? No, no you're thinking no, of no. You're, you're thinking of the movie that you and I saw, the Beverly the Hunted with Tommy Lee Jones, right? Oh no, I, I, that is that is another iteration of the same idea. But there's a, I'm, no, the, I must the, be thinking of a different movie. But no, there's the a movie game with. Is, uh, what is the game? Tell me what the game is. The it's, game it's is a, yeah. yeah. Paul, you got this. It's a it's a it's a David Fincher movie. It's about this guy Michael Douglas who's super rich and he has a estranged brother played by Sean Penn who, bu- who like buys him this weird birthday gift called the. He's like it's a, it's an experience and like he keeps like. In, it keeps like coming into his life like he's just living his life and like these weird things start happening like a doll is like at his house and he like looks at it and like the tv turns on and the tv starts talking to him and like all this weird shit starts happening and then it like keeps it keeps he doesn't know if it's a game or if like someone's actually trying to kill him and it like keeps like spiraling out of control and reality becomes distorted for him and it's this crazy psychological horror thing with all these twists and it's cool yeah like an early uh, okay. david fincher right yeah I think it's not like a great movie, but it's good. It's it's like, oh, I hadn't seen this before, and I get why this would be like a big deal. Yeah, I, I guess I, I watched it a couple years ago, and I thought it was still pretty good. It's like, I, like I, question what you know. Right, exactly. Oh, the one I'm thinking of is surviving the game with Ice-T. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? When Mason, Ice-T, homeless and living on the streets of Seattle, hears about a job as a hunting guide for a group of wealthy clients, he gladly signs on and is taken to a cabin in the what? middle of the Pacific Northwest Forest, where he meets a psychiatrist, Gary Busey, and an oil baron, John C. McGinley, and a Wall Street investor, uh, another guy. Uh, the next morning, however, Mason <laughs> is awakened to learn that he is the prey and the me- that the men will be hunting. Dom, I totally so rented this as a kid. So that's a remake of the most dangerous game. Wow, right? yeah. with Ice T. Yeah, uh-huh. with Ice T as a homeless man. Sign me the fuck up, dude. That sounds Surviving great. The game. It's oh, if I remember correctly, not a good movie in any way. No, I'm but sure. Gary Busey is hunting Ice T. Is, yes. is this? Is this? Pre, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm, I'm da- is this pre or post um, massive head injury to Gary Busey? Uh, post. Okay, so this is in the Quigley area of Gary Busey. Wait, when did when did the when did that happen? I thought that happened in the nineties, right? Uh, I know that he's in that. By the way, we have to look at, we have to watch quickly at some point. Um, I know that like he did that terrible kids movie quickly because in that movie he like dies in a car accident. And Gary Busey like found that relating to his own personal trauma. Goodness, uh, uh, Gary Busey head injury. There's a, there's like a night and day difference between hit Gary Busey. 1988, hmm. Busey was severely injured in a motorcycle accident, which he was not okay, wearing a helmet. Yeah. His skull was fractured, and doctors feared he suffered permanent brain damage. Oh, that's what happened. Okay. Yeah, it explains a lot of Gary Busey. That's a, not, he seems like a, seems like a nice man, uh, but clearly something happened to him. Our, yes. our old employees who worked with Gary Busey would say, would, would, make, would say that after. He'd be like, ah, he was just never the same after the accident. Yep. So. But this was in 94, so he was still this is, acting. This is him. I, I, want to, I want to hunt. And he, like, and he probably would said the word hunt and then like made it an acronym out of it. Like, cause that's his favorite thing now is to say a word and then make a phrase out of it. Like hunt. Hunting under night terrors. Right. <laughs> and they'll be like, that's a life lesson to do. <laughs> uh, I think that's Goosebuds, guys. I think it is. I think we um, did it. 
So the and next you, one, the next one is uh, Bad Hair Day. H A R E. I have no memory of that whatsoever. Oh, I, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. That was the that was TV episode. I'm sorry. My hairy, <laughs> oddly enough, though, my hairiest adventure is the next one. I don't remember that oh, one either. Oh, that one is good. Yeah. <laughs> good. You remember? I have no. The TV I episode. Read it. I've seen yeah. the TV episode and uh, it's good. OK. My hairiest adventure. We'll watch that next. Uh, we I, might have a uh, give yourself goose buds coming up very soon, too. Yeah, I think we're going to ha- yeah, we should definitely do that, but we I think we're going to have to do the book and watch this one cuz there's some there's some good stuff. Okay, you guys know something I don't and I'm very intrigued. It this will be one to talk about. Okay. This is good. This is a good one. We're going to come up to it. <laughs> cool. Um any other parting words and less lessons we can give uh, our listeners about comic books, uh, mutants. Tr- you can, trust you can trust stop no one. by patreon.com/goosebuds become a Camp Goosebuds member, and then you can watch a comic book movie with Chad and I. We just watched uh, the original Judge Dredd, which I had never seen, and boy, oh boy, it's mostly about um, government politics. Uh, but you'll hear us yammering about it a lot as of you watch it. it, if you're a part of Camp Goosebuds. And you can also vote on uh, books we'll read, um, what stuff we'll watch and talk about, and uh, some extra stuff, bonus content. That's on patreon.com slash goosebuds. We uh, really, really appreciate your guys' support. It means a lot to us. And for a $50 donation, Paul will eat a sandwich you make at your house. No, we can't say that because it'll become with true. With the smell. Smells and all. <laughs> yeah, with all, with all you stink. Paul will eat your mom's sandwich, which sounds like a euphemism, and it's not. It's just also still really important and serious. It I is mean, pretty intimate, though. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's as intimate as that euphemism. Eating yeah, a regular I'm, old I'm going to have your steak in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and also, guys, if you want to help support the show besides Patreon, uh, you can tell a friend. We're on Twitter, at GooseBudsPod. We appreciate all your guys' retweets and likes. You can also leave a review on iTunes. It's simple and easy to do. You can make up a <laughs> random name, and it helps us go up the iTunes charts and be discovered by more listeners like yourselves. Uh, we have a few reviews uh, recently. Uh, boys, would you like to read a few? I got a nice Philadelphia-based uh, intro here. It's Dis John Kickin, and this is by the 69er. <laughs> Jesus. They gave, they gave us a, a cool couple's name, a good, good Hollywood couple's name. It's Chadam Paul. <laughs> Actually, I love eating it, Chadam Paul. It's great. Yeah, Chadam Paul is so good. Such good food. Chadam Paul allow listeners like me, who were too young or not born yet, to fully experience the masterworks of old Bobby Stein and realize that we didn't really miss all that much important. While making for a while making for the funniest banter and most tasteful 9/11 time jokes anyone could ever ask for, <laughs> you'll never regret having downloaded these guys. Oh, thanks! Thank you very That's much. That's wonderful. Was very I, have, I have one from. Uh, I, I also have one titled "Saucy Five Stars" <laughs> by Oh My Glob. I'll be honest. I just started listening. From what I've heard, y'all have different levels of sauce that you pour all over these books <laughs> and topics all around. Keep up the great and entertaining work. I guess. I guess that's to say we all ha- we all come from a different mind, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. We bring, you know, we're Bring-o really a melting angles. pot of goosebumps for sure. Yes, yes. It's getting uh, saucy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, the iTunes review was a little dry this month, which is all fine. But if you guys want to get on the show, just leave a review. Uh, it really, we really, really appreciate it. Five star reviews are very helpful to us there. It's, it's super helpful to have Patreon supporters. But if you can't afford anything, a five star review on iTunes is always very helpful. 
And for it's sure. free. It's free. It's free to do. Express yourself on the internet before net neutrality goes away or whatever's going to happen. Quick, go now. Go, quick, before you have to pay to use iTunes, even though you have to already do that. Um, <laughs> guys, I think this has been a good episode. Um, I, I love you both. I'm looking forward to our hair, our hair book. It's going to be an adventure <laughs> of hair. Yeah, some questions about yourself and your life will be answered by it, Chad. Oh, for all of us. <laughs> Chad, you're going to have a good time. Well, I'll see you next time, guys. Until then, uh, Dom, leave us with some a good good catchphrase. Uh, if 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 the if the, the gooses ain't bumping, don't come uh, rumping. Love it. <laughs> you it's know. great. Print it. <laughs> you know. You know. Shirt it. You know. Shirt it. Put it on a shirt. All right, bye, Put guys. Put it on a shirt. Bye. bye. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon supporters. They include these wonderful people. Asim Zeman. Stefan Jive Turkey Kuwabara. Make, Amau- Make America <laughs> Meowmers again. <laughs> Make America. Make America is the most adorable thing in the world. I'm leaving it in there. Kale Clinton. SBS. Cooper Tennant. Spencer Egert. Christopher Bickelvogue. Sven Stormbeard. Patrick Murphy. Ben Bohan. Chase Neiman. Psychomaster One. Oh, dude, is that the mass mutant? That's uh, Psychomaster. <laughs> Carly Samowski. Vincent Modica. Gabriel Garcia. Aaron T. Strunk. Paul Walker. Nathan Remick Chris Culver Victor <laughs> Stephen Daniels John Jimco Jeans <laughs> I added Jeans, I'm sorry Brandon Rowdenbush Fausto P. Hernandez Brian Hopgood Matthew Stevens Fangirling with Mel Ryan Knockart Jennifer Britton. Eric England. Weird. Christopher Madaleb. Bean Daddy Spooka Boy. <laughs> Danky McStanky. Just like Hollywood <laughs> underscore. Sarah Kemp. YT Chan. Zachary J. Boyce. Matt Flanagan. Jobs. Grady Wakeman. He's woke. He is woke. <laughs> the Rupal Productions. Mayor Negatorium. Joshua Lopez. Jordan Winkleman. Scapoosh. Hi, Raposo. Martin A. Macias. Daniel Kalejas. Kenneth Tyler Burns. Madeline Volker. Jim Greaves. John Luke. Natu Pearl Henderson. Christopher Boyce. Hollis Hornbeak. The one, the only, the Turtle Mancer. Where the Turtle Mancer and Jeremy Stacy. Zachary James Boyce again. He's here. He's here <laughs> he always has. <laughs> Walter Fraser. Ryan Fisk. Ford Theater Reunion. Cameron Murphy. Paul Grasso. Ben Bueller. Michael McDowell. Nick Hayes. 
David Cron. Zhang Keefe. The Undertaker is really tough and cool. That's true. That's 100% true. I'm a Kevin. Joshua P. Robertson. Tim I. Healy. Ed Burdick. David Cole. Aaron Manchester. Alan M.K. Jenkins. Mickey C. Dapio. James Romano. Jared Mason. Kevin Boucher. Taylor Dirks. Derek Dalton. Jonas Blatterman. Syrah Silvertree. Wow, that's like a that's a dope name. Yeah, yeah I thought I heard a, a Dolkheimer, Tolsheimer playing. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how I knew how it was spelled. I forgot how you it's said it. It's one of those words you never have to say in modern language. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Matt Sadler. Nick Hinkle. Benson P. Brian Furniton. Fred Atkins. Glenn Eisenhuth. Jacob Dow. Nathan Dolzala. Clayton C. Mike Lanteri. Kyla Tharp. Chris Birch. Buddy Morrill. Joe Scott. Well, it's number one, Dave Palace of Five Minutes of Mystery. <laughs> Luke Noodles. Russell Kasberg. Nicholas McCaskey. Peter Eng. VGL Cat. The Benny Wayne Sully. Slaughter True Crime Podcast. Andrew Jason Santos. Lyndon Martin. John Keaty. Ronald King. Ryan Wade. Zachary Lawson. And Heath Robinson. Thank you all so very, very much. We love you Thank all. Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.